0: I am Katie from wellnessmama.com. Welcome to episode eight of the Wellness Mama podcast, where I provide simple answers for healthier families. This episode's interesting facts. People who ride on roller coasters have a higher chance of having a blood clot in their brain. Um, Also, once a human reaches the age of about 35, he or she will start losing approximately 7,000 brain cells a day, and these cells will never be replaced. Another brain fact, it's not possible to tickle yourself. The cerebellum, the part of the brain that um, recognizes that warns the rest of the brain that you're about to tickle yourself. And since your brain knows this, it ignores the resulting sensation. Uh, today's guest, ironically, is also named Katie, and she and I have both had mommy brain and placenta brain several times over the last few years. Uh, she's a mom of three with another one on the way. She's been blogging for about five years at her wonderful blog, which is kitchenstewardship.com. She has seven incredible ebooks and she is also um, a full-time mom to her three little ones. So welcome, Katie. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Katie. It's great to talk to you.
1: I'm concerned about my 7000 brain cells I only have a year left at full strength oh,
0: no. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm about there too um, well let's jump right in because I know we'll probably have a lot to talk about and I would love to start with your um, foundational habits your top 10 foundational habits that you talk about because I think they're really pivotal but also very practical for moms that they can we can just apply those tips every day so can you talk about those Absolutely. Um, the one of
1: the reasons I started blogging was because I had a lot of conversations with friends about the struggle to balance it all. You know, people wanted to do the right thing for their families and buy it organic um, and cook from scratch. But when you start doing that, you feel the tug on your budget and you feel the tug on your time, um, and it it can be really, really difficult to balance those three areas plus just caring for the environment. Um, so my blog is based on those four foundations, the environment, your family's nutrition, your time, and your budget. And so what I try to do is give people the best ways, you know, to kind of maximize all of them in in simple steps. And so I talk a lot about baby steps and keeping things really, really doable because I see too many people want to make really positive change and they just want to do it all at once. So they get, and then they get overwhelmed and they give up or they feel like they have to do it all at once, and and then it's overwhelming to even think about it. So they're always like, well, I'll start tomorrow, or I'll start next month, and then they don't even try. And But to think of, like, I can change one thing today or one thing this week and just do a little bit better today than I did yesterday and not worry about the whole package yet. Um, so I, I just think baby steps are really they're really key to success and a lot of people are grateful for that approach um, and not you know not trying to be overwhelmed so one of my foundational posts is is the top 10 baby steps that you can take um, to working toward real food and natural living and it's there's a lot in there now it used to be a little bit more simple but some of the 10 have like a couple steps in them Um, but it's It's really, it's simple. Some of them are really simple things, like don't use margarine, switch to butter. And that's something that doesn't take a lot of brain power. You know, it hits the budget a little bit, but not terribly. Um, And it's, you know, it's just pretty easy to do. You just pick up something different in the store. Some of my favorite techniques that I recommend to anyone, because they don't take a lot of time and they save a ton of money and they're super, super, like, maximizing nutrition are um, three things, making homemade yogurt, cooking with dry beans, and making traditional bone broth. And so those are three of the ten right there. And when I first started my site, I would kind of present one each week. Um, My site's based around Monday missions, so we're taking the summer off. But otherwise, every Monday, there's a simple baby step that you can take um, and reasons behind why you'd want to do that and then the practical. Steps to how you would accomplish that. And so those, like, but those are three that I always am coming back to. Like, if you're not making homemade yogurt, let's, you know, let's start because it saves the environment and with from so many, like, plastic tubs of buying yogurt. It's super maxim, maximization of nutrition for yourself um, and your family because probiotics are really important. Um, and yogurt is just a nice, like, you can have it for breakfast, you can have it for a snack, you know, it's so versatile. And when you have it around in bulk, you're more likely to eat more, and then I, whenever I run the stats, I'm always blown away. I save like a thousand dollars a year just making yogurt, like just that one thing. So think about what that could do to your food budget. You know, it really opens up. It opens up a thousand dollars to to buy organic food, maybe, or, or better meat, or um, whatever goat cheese, whatever you want to buy with that thousand dollars. You could totally change your shopping list, you know, just by doing homemade yogurt once a week. And it only takes like 20 minutes. So that's, if I, if I want to be known for one thing, I want to teach people to make homemade yogurt. So
0: simple. That's incredible that you save a thousand dollars a year making yogurt. And, um, I don't know if you have a recipe for this, but I know people do also make coconut milk yogurt. So even those who are intolerant to dairy, there's still options there. Um, And I would love for you to talk a little bit more about those three foods, especially the broth and the yogurt, because I feel like if you're just starting off, those can kind of seem like huge hurdles uh, to learn how to do. But I think both of us know, like once you get in the habit of doing them, it's very simple. And like you said, it's, you've got all the nutritious elements of the bone broth with the gelatin and the amino acids and then all the probiotics and the yogurt, which are also going to help you absorb your other foods better. But can you just talk about the practical steps of that a little bit?
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and one more reason why I like to focus on those is because it's really easy to be negative about food. It's, I mean, oh my gosh, you can sit around all day and talk about all the things you need to cut from your diet and the things you shouldn't eat and the ways in which all these chemicals are going to hurt you, you know. But, it, again, people can get so bogged down in that that it's kind of nice to say, hey, listen, let's just let's just do this and add this to your diet because it's so good for you, you know, in a positive way. So I love that those two things are really positive. Um, Bone broth, so both of these, honestly, bone broth and homemade yogurt are two things that I would make homemade no matter how busy I got. And in fact, um, when I had my third baby three summers ago, I literally, I was sort of on and off in labor all day throughout a Saturday, and I was making bone broth. Like, I I strained bone broth and made dinner at 6 o'clock p.m., and gave birth at nine thirty. <laughs> it is that simple. You just, you know, like it's just like clockwork. It's like I brush my teeth. I go strain bone broth. It's, it's that much like a part of our lives, um, that it just keeps going even when you're in labor. <laughs> so if you ever doubted that it, it's simple, it really is. Um, when I make homemade yogurt, I do, I do about a gallon a week. Um, and I just, I fill my jar. It's super low dishes to my method. I fill my jars with milk. I put them in a pot and fill the pot with water. So you're not actually dirtying the pot. You're only dirtying the jars. I heat it up, let it cool. Depending on what, if you're going for raw milk yogurt or not, there's some different temperatures. But once you've done it a couple times, it's you don't have to look at any recipes. It's all in your brain. Um, and then you just stir in a little bit of your previous batch of yogurt or a new, you know, you can just buy Stonyfield or Dan and Plain in two tablespoons per quart and I incubate it in a picnic cooler actually. So I line the picnic cooler with a towel, put that pot of you know hot boiling water in there and put the jars next to the pot so they're not still too hot. You're supposed to incubate it about 100, 105 degrees Fahrenheit. So there's a ton of ways you can do that but for me it's really simple to just sink it in the cooler then it doesn't take up my like oven space or it really doesn't get in the way in the kitchen. Um, and you can incubate from 4 to 24 hours depending on, like, how, it, the longer you go, it's going to be a little more tart, but also the probiotics will eat more of the milk sugars, the lactose. So if you get to 24 hours, it's, it's really a lot more digestible, but then you usually have to add a little bit of boiling water to keep it at temp. And that's it. I throw it in the fridge, dump the water out of the pot. There's no dishes other than the spoon I use to stir it. So for me... It's, it's literally like 20 minutes in four or five minute segments done. That's my gallon of yogurt for the week.
0: That's incredible. That really does sound super easy and doable. And I think a lot of readers might be willing to just jump in and try that. Um, I know you should. I get so excited when people email me,
1: they'll be like, I've been leaving for, you know, two years and I was so scared to try homemade yogurt and I finally did and I'm so glad. I'm
0: like, that's what I'm saying <laughs> Yes, and you could really then you could add whatever you want to it. You could add fresh fruit or any kind of flavors like maple or vanilla and make it however you want.
1: Yeah, oh exactly. Exactly. We do we just uh, pick fruit all summer and have it in the freezer and that's literally every lunch my kids have homemade yogurt because and and again like having it on hand a gallon at a time you feel like yes i can serve this every day like this is something i don't have to think about it's just our standard and so that's for the whole mommy brain thing that's really really nice that there's always yogurt like someone's hungry you want some yogurt
0: okay (laughs) yeah that's awesome and obviously, those are both, both the broth and the yogurt are really budget friendly when you make them yourselves. But could you share a few of your other top like budget friendly real food tips? Because that's another thing you probably hear a lot also. And I, I hear a lot is it's so expensive to eat real food, and I can't afford it. Um, so can you touch on that a little bit?
1: Yes. And you know what it is, it really is like, if you want to go 100% switch from couponing to like organic, real food all the way, your budget is going to increase. I I don't think there's any way to do it, but you can do, you can make a ton of impact toward, like, perfection without hurting your budget too much just because you will start making things from scratch, and that's cheaper than relying on other people and paying them to make it for you. Um, So bone broth is for sure... One of the cheap, cheap things, and I loved when I learned—I can't use it—Nourished Kitchen. Someone I finally read. Oh no, I know who it was. It was Amanda Rose at um, Traditional Bites Daily. Said that you can reuse the bones. So I make three batches of stock from every single chicken I buy. So when I look at the chicken and I get a little bit of sticker shock because you know it's a free-range, organic, local chicken, and I go, "Oh, that's so much for like one meal." But then I, I picture like my freezer blossoming over with jars of stock that I could have paid, you know, two or three or four dollars a quart for in a store. And I'm like, okay, this is a good investment. And it, you know, it doesn't take that long to make chicken stock. Um, dry beans are another huge one. You can buy dry beans for if they've been going up, but you know, a dollar or less a pound typically, even just in a regular grocery store, you don't have to do any special sourcing or buying in bulk to get that kind of cost depending on where you live in the country, of course, but thats it's so much more economical than buying canned beans. And again, if you do things like that in bulk, you're just more likely to use them more. Like, oh, I'm going to throw some beans on my salad or this or that or the other thing. Um, and then you're just including, you know, it's just another, like, easy real food to have on hand. And beans can also be a great way to cut the meat or legumes in general can be a great way to cut the meat. Um, I'm a big fan of meat. I have nothing wrong with it. I don't think red meat causes artery-clogging problems or whatever. But there's no denying that meat is a really expensive portion of the food budget, particularly as you start to try to source it really well. It goes up. Um, Although regular grocery store meat is up pretty high now, too, to be honest. And so what I'll do is... Um, I don't do a lot of meat-centric meals where it's like a huge hunk of meat on the plate and then a little bit of vegetables on the side or rice or whatever. We're more often around here to have soups or casseroles or some way where the meat is incorporated into the meal. So it's still there, but you don't eat quite as much of it um, in a given meal. And so like if I do spaghetti or a soup or a casserole and it calls for a pound of ground beef, I'll use three quarters of a pound instead. And so, to me, that's like saying this is your 25% off sale on the ground beef, you know, because you're saving that. And then we'll just use, you know, if it's in a one-pound package, we use the rest of the quarter pound in a a different meal, freeze it cooked or whatever. Um, I also will cut the meat with lentils a lot. So for sloppy joes, for tacos, um, even for spaghetti, for things where – The the kind of the ground beef is the central. You can cut it by a quarter to a half with cooked lentils, which are super cheap. Probably, I swear, probably like the cheapest food out there. Um, And as long as it's got a lot of that sauce with it, people won't, you can't taste it. You really can't taste the difference. People can see the difference. So if you have people who are real squeamish, you might want to wrap up the taco before you serve it. (laughs) little trick, just hide it in there, cover it with the cheese and the lettuce and the tomatoes and whatever you put on top of your taco and and people probably will not even notice. So that's huge, is just figuring out ways to stretch the more expensive things so that you and so stretch the more expensive things and find ways to cut your budget just in general like making homemade yogurt, using dry beans, even using like vinegar and baking soda more as homemade cleaners is a great way to save some dollars in one column of your budget, so that you can spend more on um, um, more well-sourced food. So those are those are probably some of my favorites.
0: Those are great, and one thing. Um, I know there's a lot of kind of a hot debate in some nutritional circles about beans and if they're safe because they have lectins and different things. But obviously, there's one thing that really helps with that, which is soaking. And I know you've written about that and done a tutorial for it. So can you just give a quick overview of what that means? And if you're going to use dried beans, how do you prepare them? Yes, dried beans, they can be another one of those things
1: that seem intimidating because sometimes people will try them the first time get it a little wrong and you end up with these like half-cooked kind of crunchy nasty things and they go oh like now I'm throwing away this food this was not a good experience you know so but if you cook dry beans correctly once you get it it's really easy Um, yeah so beans and grains are all seeds which means in nature they want to propagate. They want to be planted. So they do not want to be digested. They'd rather be passed through, again, in nature. This used to, I used to teach third grade, and this would crack my third graders up. But <laughs> I'd be like, do you see ever see the corn come through on the other end? And they're cracking up. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Seeds aren't made to be digested very well. Um, but there are things that humans with our ingenuity have figured out how to do to take away some of those natural plant defenses Right, because those defenses aren't, they're not very good for us. Eating things that we can't digest is is like sending the wrong signals to our digestive system and to our body. Um, So soaking is one way to get rid of that, as is a long, slow cook for beans. And those are, the long, slow cook in particular is something you're not going to get in canned beans, which is why it's a one-two punch to use dried you know it um it saves a lot of money but it's also it's very likely that your beans will be more digestible and more healthy your body will be able to capture more of the vitamins and minerals in them than a a can of beans um although a can of beans is still a great like quick convenient thing if you need to cut some corners um so when I soak beans I um pick them through for rocks or dirt which actually can be found in there sometimes they're an agricultural product and then um The best soak is to soak them in pretty hot water, like 140-degree water. I don't always take the time to do that. (laughs) But if I do, it's just like I turn the burner on real quick for about three minutes, stick my finger in as soon as it hurts, (laughs) I turn it off. Um, And you just let them soak overnight and then pour off the water. Some people even do a double soak, but I do not take the time to do that. Um, And you cover them with new water, about twice as much as the beans. So if the beans go a certain you know distance up your pot, you cover that with double the amount of water, bring it to a boil, skim off any foam because that's where like little impurities or little dirt or whatever can rise to the top. And and then you just cook on low a long time. It's nice for stay-at-home moms. Like I'll just literally cook them four to eight hours all day. If I'm getting toward dinner and, and I test one and it seems like it's a little crunchy, you just put a little sprinkle of baking soda in. And it'll film up, and within half an hour, your beans are soft, for sure. Um, so that's a good little good little hack if you're like, my beans are still so crunchy, I need to eat them. A little baking soda in the water. But that's it. I mean, that's it. That's a really quick, easy, not quick. It's not quick. It's very easy, though, and a very digestible and nutritious way to cook beans. Um, when I do lentils, like right now, I actually have some lentils soaking because I'm making tacos, and I want to cut the meat with the lentils. Um I like to sprout lentils because sprouting is, is I think it's even more of like a surefire way to get past the plant's defenses because once the plant has sprouted, it doesn't feel the need to be undigestible to be planted. You know, it's already it's already been there, done that. It's sprouting, um, so you can just do the same kind of soak for lentils. Soak them overnight, dump the water, off, leave them in the colander, and rinse them at breakfast and at dinner. And after about uh, twenty-four to seventy-two hours, you'll see sprout um, coming right out. It's a super fun science experiment to show your kids, like, whoop, we're growing dinner. And you just cook them after about two days, the same as you would any other lentils. Lentils are really a quick cook. They only take about 30 to 60 minutes. Um, So you just cook up the sprouted lentils, and then then they're super-duper digestible. And so I'll do a big batch and just uh, freeze them in about two-cup portions to throw into whatever I can think of.
0: Awesome. Very cool. I hope that's been very practical for a lot of listeners. And I'd love to c- completely switch gears now. Uh, I know that you've written posts about how to get rid of certain kinds of insects naturally. And uh, it's already been so hot where we live that we are kind of getting bombarded. So can you share with us your natural tips for getting rid of insects? I will. Yes.
1: Way to switch gears. There are no insects in my lentils, just to be clear. That was not an inspiration for the lentils. Um <laughs> No, for some reason, I, I do have two posts on getting rid of insects naturally they are just being, they're very popular this summer. Um, and that that's just kind of another part of my blog, another leg to stand on is keeping, taking care of the environment. I feel that it's really important to be a good steward of everything. So not just your family nutrition and your budget, but also the environment. So part of that is not putting chemicals, you know, into the air and into the water Uh, around us so here in Michigan we have plenty of bugs in the summer and um, sugar ants are a big problem they're those little teeny 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 ants that are just kind of everywhere sometimes and man when they get in my kitchen they get in my kitchen I'll see one and I'll be like oh no here they come and like the next day there'll be 20 of them in one like in one spot in one cupboard or on my counter like just get out of here at least they're little um, but there's a really, really super easy, super cheap um, ant, like homemade ant poison. It kind of mimics the tarot ant poison that you can buy in a store. And you just mix some corn syrup. I have, I have one bottle of corn syrup in my house for this purpose. <laughs> it's in my laundry room. Uh, you mix corn syrup and borax and put it on a little index card and stick it wherever. The kids can't get to it, but the ants can. And they come in droves. Like, I feel every time I do it, I'm like... Hopefully I'm killing these ants because it sure looks like an ant party there. There's like 50 of them around it. But after a day or two, then they're usually gone. Um, And actually on that post, I have just about every recommendation from the worldwide internet of lines that insects can't cross. So I've tested most of them, salt, cinnamon, whatever, diatomaceous earth. Some of them work. Some of them the ants just laugh at. (laughs) That's one. And then the other one is wasps. We had a wasp nest outside our house um, a couple years ago, and my husband was hell-bent on going out to buy a big old can of Raid. And by the time he got around to it, the local hardware store in our small town was closed. And I was like, well, you could try my idea. And he's like, okay. So we just honestly put some dish soap in a hose-end sprayer, and luckily we have really good water pressure, so he went out all suited up like this stuff. Sweatshirt tied almost over his face and long pants and stuff. You know, like he didn't want to get stung. And he just shot the wasp in the late evening when they were mostly home. Shot the wasp nest rather with this soapy water, and they totally just all fell to the ground. He came inside. He was like, "Oh, honey, you were right again." (laughs) Nice. So yeah, it's a pretty fun post. That was
0: a fun post to write the next month, but super easy, super cheap, no chemicals. That's really helpful. I know a lot of moms who do so many things naturally, and then once a month the exterminator shows up at their house, and it's like, oh, not around the children. Um, So those are really practical, great things. Um, And hopefully the answer to the next question will not involve ants or wasps, but I would also love to know, What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge our next generation faces? Because we both have young children, and we both are on a mission to improve those statistics for the future for our children. Um, But I would love to know, what do you think the big challenges are going to be?
1: This is a fantastic question. And just thinking about it, my hair stands on end because I get so angry and so worried about the future for my kids, honestly, when I look around. Um, I've been working pretty hard at our elementary school this year to reduce the amount of sugar offered at celebrations and birthday parties. and I have completely hit a wall. I am not I'm not allowed to make change, and it's so frustrating. So after that experience and hearing what other parents say to the principal when she recommends like really gentle, more healthy changes. Um, I think that our kids are going to be battling a culture where fun equals sugar, and no one can figure out how to possibly have fun or give anyone else a fun time without sugar, and not only sugar but an excess of sugar. So I I think it's a twofold problem. It's the, a culture of excess in general, both material and food. And, and a culture in which sugar equals fun and there aren't, there's no A, B, C, D option. It's just sweets. And and I think that's a really hard battle to fight because it's a very social battle. Um, and that brings with it a lot of peer pressure and emotion and kind of psychological habits. So I think those are huge. And then obviously the fact that everyone's going to be sick because of it is is the unfortunate result that our kids are going to have to battle. And I just pray that... I think the pendulum is swinging back. I, I feel like the pendulum is swinging back toward real food and, and kind of the, the way things were created in the world and away from chemicals and processed foods, but I, I'm not sure. The The marketing and the advertising of the processed food companies is incredibly powerful, and and the culture of excess is, is just very deeply rooted, so those are going to be some big challenges. I'm hoping that I can train up my own children and my family to, to be good warriors in that battle.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And unfortunately, I've seen that a lot too, even though we homeschool. So a lot of the time, I'm able to make sure that my children have healthy choices available. I've noticed this year as we've gotten into team sports and oh, yeah. the kids have gotten older, like, the, the part that was so sad for me is that my son several times I saw him refuse sweet treats and then either other children or even the adults kept pushing it
1: oh gosh I know it was
0: just like oh it's gonna be an uphill battle for them and it's so sad because and I think part of it hopefully my hope is that part of it is education and that um I really do feel and this is my battle cry people might be tired of hearing it but that moms are the ones who can make that change because mm-hmm. we do control the food budget in the U.S., and we are helping shape the next generation. So I do have hope that um, as we get more and more moms on board that the moms will be the ones who are motivated and who care enough to make those changes before it is because it, it's an uphill battle right now, and I, I'm with you. I don't see it getting that much better yet.
1: Yeah, we'll keep doing the battle cry because there are plenty of people who have not heard it yet.
0: But yes. <laughs> well, we got to keep going. Exactly. Well, it's crazy that we're almost out of time already, but I always end with three questions. And the first one is, what is some advice that you wish you had gotten? Um, Either health advice or just life advice that you'd wish you'd gotten earlier in your own life? This is another very good question. And I tried to think about
1: where I went wrong, because my mom cooked a lot from scratch. And she did kind of question, uh, to a certain extent, modern medicine as far as she wouldn't give us Dymatap very often because she just had a hunch that it caused ear problems. And lo and behold, 20 years later, Dymatap causes ear problems. I'm like, oh, I have the smartest mom in the world. Just love her. But when I got off on my own, it was a life of hamburger helper and pasta roni and three desserts in the cafeteria at college. Um, That was not good. (laughs) So I, I think I just thought of three things that I wish someone had told me that I would actually have believed that I before I went off to college. And one was don't trust everything you read because I fell for the fat-free, low-fat, line, like hook, line, and sinker. Um, read your own ingredients. If you just start reading them, it unfolds like a horror story and you start to realize what you're eating or wonder what in the world you're eating. I think that's um, something that everyone should just start doing. And then just that it's not all about the calories. Again, the, the low-fat, fat-free mantra is is kind of a dangerous place to send people because it ends up jacking up the sugar and so it, it's not like life and nutrition and health are not all about the calories it's not that simple
0: absolutely awesome okay so to follow up that what would be one practical step that if someone's new to the things that you've talked about or to real food that a person could take right now that would have an impact for them
1: You bet. I didn't didn't even realize this, but I totally wrote the same answers. (laughs) I think I I thought about your questions at different times. But um, getting over your fear of fat is a big one. Switching to full-fat dairy if you're on the low-fat, no-fat. And just make that change, and you will will not gain weight. Our whole family did it, and no one has gained weight in five years. Um, Even the adults who probably eat too many desserts still. Um, And then, you know, if you are using margarine and Crisco, That's something you got to cut right away. Switch to butter, switch to coconut oil. There there are fats to, there are traditional fats that those fake fats meant to replace that you can do the switcheroo and go back to it. So that's always the very first thing I say. If you're still using margarine, get off that train, get onto butter. Um, And then just thinking about the positive. Like, don't don't get completely overwhelmed. Um, If you feel like you just need to, you know, maybe you're already using butter, you're smarter than... The average Joe who's doing margarine, um, focus on just produce. Like, don't worry about doing it all at once. Just add more fruits and vegetables to your diet and figure out how to throw some vegetables in a casserole or a soup and integrate them in a non threatening way for your family, especially. I think, I think families can get a little freaked out, kids and husbands, if the mom starts making changes. So, I like, I like to encourage moms to figure out subtle ways. To sneak, not sneak, but to get vegetables in that aren't so obvious. Um, I never lie to people about what's in there, but if they don't ask, I might not tell.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Very cool. And then lastly, uh, what would be one resource besides your incredible blog, which I hope everyone goes and checks out, but what would be one either book or website or resource that you would point others for more information? Well, I had to choose two because I'm definitely the kind of person who always asks
1: at ice cream places, can I get two flavors in one scoop? Um, my the book that I the cookbook that I use most right now because it's a crock pot cookbook and I'm just I'm at the stage in my life where I need more of those um, ready when I am kind of meals is called Crock On. Uh, it's it's an ebook by Stacy Myers at Stacy Makes Sense, but it's also available on Amazon. I think as Kindle and a print book, but I have the print book, and it's, it's one of those that's all stained up. I use quite a few recipes from Krakon, and then one of my favorite sites, um, I've never had a recipe fail from none, is Gnalfgren's, and that's spelled G-N-O-W-F-G-L-I-N-S dot com. You'll have to go there to find out what that means, but Wardy at Genelfland has been blogging longer than I have, and she has a wonderful, vast... Re, you know, recipe resources, um, everything from sourdough to grain-free. Um, and she does a lot of homesteading, and then she has a set of, I think, six or seven different, like, 20 to 25-week-long e-courses, and those are really cool because you can just be, become a member and, like, try it out for 10 bucks for a month, and you get access to everything at once. So that's a ton. I mean, that's, a, don't get overwhelmed, but that's a ton
0: of information at your fingertips right there. Awesome, and where can listeners find you if they want to stay in touch with you and read more of your work?
1: Thanks, Uh, my online home is kitchenstewardship.com so that's the best place to find me Um, if you're a Kindle reader you can also find all seven of my books on Amazon at Kindle and probably the easiest way is just to search for my name, Katie Kimball but you know, like anyone on the internet I'm on Pinterest, on Facebook, everywhere too but if you start at
0: kitchenstewardship.com Welcome aboard. That's where I am. Katie, thank you so much for all the practical tips and for taking the time away from your family to be here and to talk. And I hope uh, everyone will go and find your site and absorb all your wonderful information. Thank you, Katie. I'm so excited about your podcasts and that they're short and bite-sized. Now I can listen to them, too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for all of you listening, thank you for your time and listening as well. And if you would, please subscribe in iTunes so that you'll be notified of future episodes. And I'd also be really appreciative if you could leave a rating or review since iTunes uses those to help other people find podcasts as well. And uh, the mission really is to spread the word and get as many moms and families as possible. So until next time, have a healthy week.